Perverted, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Dear listeners, this is your host Victor Anakin and you're listening to Afro Verdict. The St. Petersburg International Economic Forum concluded last week where over 130 delegations discussed business investment, foreign trade and investment policy and about 900 investment agreements worth around 47.6 billion US dollars had been signed. Today, I'm joined by Lubinda Habazoka, Director of the Graduate School of Business of the University of Zambia, and Akende Membe Chundama, Chairwoman of the Socialist Party of Zambia, to discuss the importance of such forums, BRICS, the trend of shifting to transacting national currencies, and the Ukrainian crisis. Mr. Habazoka, welcome to Afro Verdict. The St. Petersburg International Economic Forum recently concluded. Why did you feel it was important to attend the event? Uh, the Economic uh, Forum in St. Petersburg provides an opportunity uh, to create links with various Russian partners, uh, you know, in the area of uh, science and technology, uh, you know, information uh, exchange, exchange in experiences, uh, especially that, uh, you know, Russia and uh, you know, African countries, especially Zambia, share a very uh, good experience in terms of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, economic ties, trade. Uh, you know, uh, we have a lot of exchanges in the area of the education sector. A lot of Zambians come to school here. And as such, uh, the technology that uh, most of the graduates I know and are able to use uh, is the one that is produced in Russia. Therefore, for me, this summit is uh, very, uh, this forum is extremely important. And what sort of results were you planning to achieve and did you manage to achieve them eventually? Uh, yes, of course, we have achieved uh, a lot of goals. Uh, uh, with those that we made initial contact, you know, uh, they'll be signing MOUs at, uh, you know, the next uh, uh, Africa-Russia summit. Uh, with, uh, you know, various universities, uh, companies, and uh, media houses. Uh, we've been uh, working all along, uh, you know, uh, this this year, and this provided an opportunity to come and physically iron out uh, the little issues that were remaining. So uh, this economic, uh, uh, you know, forum has really helped uh, to, uh, for us to achieve a lot of uh, milestones. So what was your overall impression of the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum? Because Western media speak about the isolation of Russia. Did you have the same experience and the same impression when you were at the forum? Well, I think that uh, if what I've seen is uh, economic isolation, uh, then African camp- uh, countries should be this isolated because uh, we have seen quite a huge, uh, you know, attendance. Uh, the assignment, a lot of companies, uh, you know, short guest uh, delegates from different countries. So I wouldn't even call this uh, isolation. I think that uh, uh, from, you know, the previous, uh, you know, uh, expos that I've attended in Russia, I think this one has really brought about, uh, you know, innovation. I think the sanctions have been a blessing in disguise to Russia uh, because we've seen, uh, you know, uh, Russia developed new uh, partnerships and new products that they are showcasing to the world. I've seen the new, uh, you know, uh, motor vehicle that has been presented by Lada, uh, you know, being made in St. Petersburg, and it's going to be, in, uh, you know, in, in, in sales in the next coming weeks. A very good piece of work. We've seen uh, some motor vehicles from, you know, towns like uh, Pskov, you know, which we didn't even hear about. 
There's a lot of potential in investments in Russian regions, the Chechen Republic. We have seen, uh, you know, also other republics uh, represented here. We've also uh, met, um, you know, various businesses uh, that want to uh, share their experiences in how to enhance the running of the education sector. So I think um, the isolation is not being felt. So we've basically see Russia coming out stronger, uh, you know, than even before. Yeah, perhaps the whole isolation story is a bit exaggerated since there were representatives of over 130 countries at the forum, right? Well, I think that uh, Russia remains uh, not isolated. I do not know specifically for Africa, any country that uh, has shunned Africa. Uh, in fact, the other way around, uh, the relationship between Africa and uh, Russia has even become stronger. Uh, because if uh, Russia was maybe uh, had, uh, you know, attention uh, in all places in Europe, especially because there's uh, sharing of common borders. But now uh, with Europe gone, it's a blessing to Africa because now we have receiving 100% attention from Russia and we'll be able to sort out our issues in the energy sector. Uh, we need, uh, you know, affordable oil from, from Russia. Uh, also, uh, in the area of nuclear science and technology, there's, you know, energy shortage in sub-Saharan Africa because of droughts and climate change. South Africa being one such country where we're seeing an opportunity for companies like Rosatom that are represented at this uh, event to go and do uh, nuclear power plants. I think that, uh, you know, just the number of daily uh, countries participating here, you know, uh, is unprecedented. From Zambia, for the first time, I've seen uh, uh, a lot of delegates coming, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to, to attend. So, I mean, I wouldn't call that uh, isolation. And tell me, what's your take on the Russia-Africa summit that will take place in July in St. Petersburg? Well, I think that uh, there will be a lot of representatives because that is a summit uh, that is going to uh, happen at presidential level. Uh, I, I happened to attend the you know, Russia-Africa parliamentary summit in Moscow in March. And I can say also the attendance was uh, overwhelming, South Africa being the leader with the uh, Speaker of the South African Parliament uh, being, uh, you know, the main guest there. It was uh, it was very, you know, huge and overwhelming. Uh, over, I've heard over 29 presidents have confirmed their participation, uh, you know, in, in this summit. And I would like to point out that there's a huge pressure from the USA and Europe for African countries not to attend uh, this summit. And, uh, you know, that pressure is so huge that countries like South Africa being uh, threatened uh, with sanctions, countries like South Africa being accused of uh, providing weapons to uh, to Russia, which is something very laughable because in terms of uh, weapons, Russia is, you know, a major exporter. And despite the fact that there's this uh, conflict that is happening, Russia is still exporting uh, arms and doing their uh, other, uh, you know, expertise. So I think it's just pressure on African countries that uh, we are seeing. What about Zambia? Is your country experiencing any pressure from Western states? On our candidates, uh, enormous, enormous pressure on, on, on Zambia. We've seen activities from envoys, seen visits by Secretary to the Treasury into Zambia. At the time, Foreign Minister Serege Ravrov was supposed to be in Southern Africa. The same day, he landed in South Africa. Yellen and the IMF chief arrived in Zambia. And of course, it was not a secret what they came to do. The vice president, for the first time, of the USA came to Zambia. That's just the same period when Sergei Ravrov was in the region. So you can see that 
and Zambia being centrally located, uh, everybody thinks by controlling it and, you know, we can fend off our nations. But unfortunately, the Zambian people stand with the Russian Federation because Russia was the first country under the Soviet Union then uh, to recognize Zambia as an independent country and to establish diplomatic uh, ties on the 24th of October 1964. So the Soviet Union was the first country to do that. Yeah, and by the way, next year we will celebrate 60 years of the Russian-Zambian diplomatic relations. How are the relations between Russia and Zambia developing currently? Uh, we hope that we are going to uh, see more collaboration, but I can say that uh, Zambia is one of the few countries that is enjoying, uh, you know, Russian uh, scholarships. We have over 150 students coming to st- study every year in uh, in Russia, uh, sponsored by the Russian government and. We hear Russia plans to uh, even increase that number to over 200. So with those specialists coming to Zambia, this is huge of no other country. I think all Western countries put together uh, do not give more than even 50 scholarships to Zambians, but Russia giving 150. This is uh, quite unprecedented. You know, speaking about commercial exchange, you know, economic exchange between our countries, you know that the United States dollar is used today by the U.S., for penalizing other countries with sanctions and so on. Do you think it's the time to search for an alternative? And if so, what would this alternative be? You know, uh, the creation of the Bretton Woods system in 1944 uh, and, uh, you know, putting of the U.S. dollar as a, a reserve currency was the beginning of the end for developing countries. That system was created to... Uh, make sure that whatever we wanted to buy from outside, whatever trade we're supposed to do, was supposed to be sanctioned by the United States of America. And because of the dependence on the dollar, uh, African countries, for example, have been unable to develop. Therefore, it is in the best interest of the developing world to do away with the dollar, to diversify into dealing with other countries. For example, Zambia's major trade partners is, this, is South Africa. Uh, we import most of the goods from South Africa and we sell goods to Africa and we also sell goods uh, to China. So why do we need the U.S. dollar to trade with our neighboring country? Why do we need the U.S. dollar to trade with China when we can get uh, the yuan from uh, export of mineral resources, for example, to, to China and pay South Africa the same amount? That's why I think most of the African countries are, are really encouraging and fighting for BRICS to create an alternative currency to make it very easy to do trade and also to isolate themselves from sanctions. Today, who thought that Russia can be sanctioned? Uh, holding over $300 billion in reserves in accounts in, in Washington, in London, is what is theft. That is theft. And uh, as such, uh, no sane country, no sane Central Bank is should be able to keep money in countries that have withheld other countries' money. You can't do that. Then your then your economic your monetary system is wrong. You can't just come and grab other people's money. You can't sanction another country just because you are not uh, agreeing on on ideology. The IMF, the World Bank, were created as international uh, institutions that were supposed to regulate the international monetary system, but they have failed in this law. Because single countries are able to sanction one country and remove them out of uh, circulation. Therefore, African countries are working for the BRICS Bank, 
to create uh, to to create a reserve currency. We are waiting for already Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and South Africa are actively involved. Other countries are joining in. Algeria uh, also wants to come. The president of Kenya has been mentioning about about that. The president of look at Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe has been sanctioned for for getting its own land from 2000. The president who was sanctioned died a long time ago, but we are South Africa, Zimbabwe is still under sanctions. So it's in the best interest. So why should one country be sanctioned if they just want to get a part of their land? So I think uh, the BRICS Bank should have even been born uh, 10 years ago. So these sanctions against Russia and this crisis is a blessing to Africa because it has woken up the world to know what is really happening. Uh, that the current international monetary system is was not built for the developing nations. Okay, thanks very much. Currently, there are many African countries that are interested in interacting with BRICS. So how do you see the relationship between your country and BRICS in the future? Well, Zambia uh, is a member of what is known as the South, Southern African Development Commission, SADC. Uh, we are also a member of uh, COMESA, and South Africa is the more like the, the leader of, uh, of SADC. And as such, any organization where South Africa is, Zambia also uh, benefits. Our presidents have attended, uh, uh, you know, a BRIC summits uh, before in South Africa. And uh, we hope that even this year, the summit that is going to be held in South Africa is also going to be attended by Zambia. And, uh, of course, uh, when BRICS is opened up to other countries, definitely Zambia is going to be a member. By the way, the Kenyan president, William Ruto, has proposed an African currency for African countries. Do you think this is a good idea? It is a very good solution, but we just hope that it's not going to end up uh, like Muammar Gaddafi. Uh, who proposed a single currency and within a year was removed. Um, But of course now uh, times have changed. Uh, Kenya is a very strong country, it's a democracy, and uh, the West is not as strong as they they used to be. Um, So we hope that President Ruto is going to uh, to work on that. In fact, in East Africa, under the East African Economic Community, they are already a single market. They have removed all barriers for movement of people and goods. And as such, I think that is going to be uh, a success. Mr. Abazoka, in your opinion, what is the significance of the African Peace Initiative on the Ukrainian conflict that visited Kiev and Moscow last week? Of course, uh, African countries understand from which angle uh, you know the conflict is. We definitely remember what happened in in Dambas, the eight years of uh, you know bombing the red revolutions and Africa uh, like no other region from the Ukrainian side yes and Africa like no other continent knows what it is uh, to have uh, another country mending into your own in, in, internal affairs we've seen that we've been colonized before by by the Brit, uh, Great Britain, uh, the United Kingdom, by France, you know, before uh, we've, we've been colonies before. So we basically understand probably the intentions of, you know, of certain Western countries, the so-called partners in Ukraine, because Ukraine, uh, you know, uh, is is better according to them uh, without uh, Russia, uh, having to deal with Russia, which is actually uh, very, uh, very wrong. So we hope that... Uh, uh, whatever solution is going to come up is going to be in the best interest of the people of the Russian Federation uh, uh, and the people of Ukraine and the people of Ukraine who are being uh, actually represented by Russia now uh, being stopped from uh, you know brutal massacres 
bombing every day for the last eight years, which nobody else was talking about. And, you know, when Russia moved in to go and help out, that's when certain countries uh, felt threatened. Um, so we hope that uh, um, very soon uh, we... Or maybe Ukraine can come to its senses. I think this is a clear indication that Africa understands that uh, uh, you know Europe and the USA have no role to play in uh, in the mediation of this process. Because Africa ideally never takes part in such initiatives, but Africa has seen that uh, the USA and Europe are active participants in this in this conflict. They provided the the, the weapons to attack the people of Donbas for eight years. Uh, people that were defenseless. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, those people cannot come and say they want to broker peace. So the moving in of Africa, is, a, I think, should be uh, received as a slap in, in the Western's face uh, to, to say you have been declared by Africa uh, as not being able to mediate because they're trying to play that they are, they are independent, but they are not. You know, so it, it should be... A, a very huge, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, slap in the face. So, what can parties to the conflict learn from the African experience in peace building? I think that uh, if uh, um, you know Zelensky understands uh, from the African experience that uh, to be influenced uh, by a foreign and other foreign nations is not in the best interest of. Uh, uh, your own people, if he understands that from the experiences of various African uh, presidents that are going to come, President Ramaphosa, who's leading this delegation, uh, himself uh, helped the liberation of South Africa under apartheid system, actually funded by the Soviet Union, the ruling party then, it was funded by the Soviet Union uh, in the armed struggle. So I think if President Zelensky could understand and learn from that assistance, if he stands in the best interest of his own own, own people, I think he should be able to, uh, you know, to stop this conflict. I think it's just in his uh, in his uh, interest. Thank you very much. For those of you that have just tuned in, this is your host, Victor Anakin, and you are listening to Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. We just spoke to Lubinda Habazoka, who explained that the Bretton Woods financial institutions, such as the IMF and the World Bank, are flawed as they grab other people's money just because they disagree with the ideology of another country. Now we are joined by Akende Membe Chundama, chairwoman of the Socialist Party of Zambia, who will share her expert vision on the Ukrainian crisis and the Grain Deal. Ms. Chundama, welcome to Afro Verdict. Mr. Habazoka and I were just talking about the African delegation that came to Kiev and Moscow to discuss a peace initiative on Ukraine. Zambia is part of this peace initiative. So how do you assess the outcome of that meeting? I think the outcome of this meeting is very evident from basically the lack of much reporting following the meeting. I think the proposals that were taken to both Ukraine and to Russia in terms of how to structure this peace initiative should not have been done without consultation of both parties to enable that they're seeking a legitimate deal for peace, a 
a proposal that addresses the legitimate concerns of both the parties. So I think the lack of preparatory work and the lack of consultation with adequate consultation with both sides to make sure that the Russian concerns are addressed and the Ukrainian concerns are also addressed to ensure that a peace proposal that is presented is reflective of these concerns and addressing these legitimate concerns of both parties. I see. Thank you. And there were a few topics that were actually discussed. And one of them was the grain deal. Regarding the supply of grain to African countries, Vladimir Putin explained that the food security crisis is not linked to the special military operation. According to him, the situation came around because Western countries began to engage in an economically unjustified emission in order to solve the problems related to the COVID epidemic. Nevertheless, Russia has, in this context signed a grain deal to get its goods to African countries. However, only 3% have been delivered so far to the poorest African countries. So in this context, what possible solutions to the problem are there? Uh, What's your opinion on that? And how did the African Peace Initiative impact this issue? And how can it help find a solution? Um, Firstly, I'd like to start with saying that the security of the Russian people and of Russia is more important than a grain deal for now. Security must be taken as the utmost center, and the security of the Russian people should be taken as the center discussion when we are looking to resolve the crisis that is at hand, not the repercussions of the grain crisis or the grain initiatives that are being sought by us African countries. And I think if we look at the food security of the African continent, even during this crisis, Russia has tried to ensure that the grain supply and the food guarantee to the people has been secured. Last year, Russia provided free fertilizer over 100,000 metric tons of fertilizer to several African countries such as Zambia, Mozambique, to help secure food security and uh, food supply in these countries. So at the moment, when it comes to negotiating for peace between Russia and Ukraine, the grain crisis or grain situation in the rest of the, the world should not take center stage, but the peace and the security of the Russian people. Thank you, ma'am. Also during the peace talks, Putin told African leaders the following. He explained that Russia legally removed children from Ukraine to save their lives and they have never been and are not facing any obstacles for the reunification with their relatives, which is what Ukraine blames Russia for. At the same time, it was this accusation of the unlawful transfer of children that led to the ICC warrant for the arrest of the Russian president. So could you comment on this and to what extent can we assume that this topic was used simply as a pretext? For all children is extremely important and this should be more important than any geopolitical battle. And for us, we believe that these children were taken out to protect them and children must be protected. The protection of children is pivotal and this should be of utmost importance when it comes to world peace. We should first secure children and women. Another question for you, ma'am. According to the plan proposed by African leaders, all parties to the conflict should receive security guarantees. And the Western countries talk about the need for such guarantees for Ukraine. However, they don't consider Russia. How important do you think is it to guarantee security for Russia too, given the expansion of NATO to the east? The U.S. would never allow 
any other country to put any weapons or missiles on the border of Canada or on the border of Mexico. That is because they try to secure the peace and the protection of their people. The same way, they should not be hypocrites. We should not see the West become hypocrites. But if they want to put missiles or ammunition on the borders of Russia, the Russians would just sleep and let them do this without thinking of protecting their people. So the same considerations, the same way they want to be treated by the West, but by the rest of the world, is the same way that the West, the USA, and we know that NATO at the core of this should also treat Russia. Their hatred for Russia is, is extremely clear. And as the rest of the world, it has opened a lot of people's eyes to say that this is hypocrisy. It's the same way that they want to come to African countries and across the world to set up military bases. For what? For the protection of who? Zambia, for example, we've been fighting against, us in the opposition, have been fighting against the setting up of military U.S. bases on our continent. Because we think that they should not do this. The protection of our people can be done by ourselves. And it's the same thing that Russia should be allowed to protect its people. And we stand by Russia as they fight to protect their people. Thank you, Mr. Ndama. Finally, my last question to you regarding these peace talks. The Russian president recalled that Russia had never given up on dialogue with Ukraine, but Kiev had issued a decree forbidding negotiations. How do you think the African Peace Initiative could move this issue from the impasse that it is in now? I think it's very clear that Ukraine has shut itself off to any advice on peace and on protecting um, citizens of even Russia during this um, this crisis. We saw this by the sentiments and the comments of Zelensky um, right after the meeting. He has totally refused that after the peace um, mission uh, proposal, he totally refused and rubbished everything that they had said in a way that he was not even looking for world peace at the moment and to secure this um, world peace. And what we've seen is that the West is talking about peace, but they're supplying more and more weapons to Ukraine. So this is irony um, at its best. And this is not a war of Ukraine. And we need to be very careful that we also make sure that we highlight that it's the entire armory and the entire machinery of the West that is fighting Russia. It's not just Russia and Ukraine. It's Russia and the rest of the Western countries under NATO. And that was Akende Membe Chundama, who believes that the hatred of the West towards Russia is extremely clear in the unjust way they treat Russian national security issues. She makes a point saying that this is the same way Western states want to set up military bases, yet whom these bases are meant to protect is still a big question. Dear friends, I hope you found this episode informative and interesting, but most importantly, that you enjoyed it. Don't forget that you can listen to our Afri Verdict podcast on multiple platforms such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Pocket Cast, AfriPods, CastBox, and Deezer. Check out our Sputnik Africa Telegram channel, Facebook page, and Twitter account to always be up to date on local and global events. Stay safe, dear friends, and until next time.
Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.